Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, October 2nd, 2022 called, I Have Called You by Name, David, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Well, God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours, and Jesus Christ, our Savior. And there's an outline, if you want to jot some notes, we're in a series now of looking at some of those who are kind of amazing figures throughout the scriptures who were called by God, who were called by God. So we started with, with Abraham. It's been an interesting, and as I look at all these different heroic figures kind of in the scriptures, Abraham is the father of of the nation of, oops, of God's people, the nation of Israel. You have someone like Moses, you know, who was a liberator of their people out of 400 years of slavery and uh, bears the great gift of the law. Or you might have Daniel, you know, in exile and persecution, rises to a position of power and makes a stand for his faith. Deborah, you know, who stepped in when the men wouldn't, wouldn't lead. They were frightened and she took the lead to help defeat Israel's enemies. All of these different kind of heroic characters. And you can go through so many of them. It could be prophet, Elijah, Isaiah. You know, when you ask like Jewish people, or the, if you were to ask the Israelites in Jesus' day, who is the great, who are the greatest heroes? Name the top 10, you know. Let's do a top 10 list. And if you got down there to the top one or two or whatever, if it was someone who was their great hero, the one they most aspired to, the one they would long to see, it would probably be David. Probably be King David. You know, when they were when he was conquering and finally had kicked the Philistines out, the one who as a boy killed Goliath with a slingshot, right? The giant of the Philistines. Uh, someone who took the Ark of the Covenant, returned it, you know, to, to Jerusalem, which he had conquered, thrown out the Jebusites and the Philistines. And, you know, he reestablished the capital, the nation of Israel. It was a time of celebration and glory. They finally had peace in the land. He expands the borders, builds relationships with other nations, you know, has a, is, is blessed with a, a son who would reign for another 40 years. Um, you know, he would probably be the one. He was the composer of, we think, 73 of the 150 Psalms. So he was probably a top 40 artist, right, you know, and... He was someone who wrote and sung. I mean, he was called on by the king, King Saul, the previous king. Come and sing for me. Soothe my spirit. Um, he was handsome, you know, we know from that. And so it's understandable. You can see why uh, the people of Israel and Jewish people today even still honor King David in many, many ways. The star of David is the national symbol. Um, you know, David is this heroic striding across the... The place. Why would we talk about him? Is my goal to say God's call on David matches your call? You know, we're not. We, you, you, this might be an interesting series to relate to. Abraham's the father of nations. Are you the father? You know, or Moses, the great liberator, the bringer of the law. Are you General Deborah or General Joshua? And so, obviously, you know, we're not going there. What is it that made David such a figure that? that continues to impact and impacted New Testament and impacted the church, continues to impact us today. 
And what I'm going to tell you is already given us hints here in the, uh, in the readings, as Ruth read for us in the Old Testament. And some, you may know many of these details about David. Maybe you don't. That's okay. David's a fascinating figure. Let me give you a little bit of history. If you look in your Bibles, um, English Bibles, our, our modern Bibles have 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings. But Jewish Bibles have 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th Kings. Because the first three are the books about the kings under the unified kingdom. You know, I don't know if you know this, but Israel went through a civil war. So the kings of the unified kingdom, they had judges. And the time of the judges for 400 years was not a happy time. It, in fact, it mirrors much our era, our era today. You know what the theme of the book of Judges is? Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That's kind of the theme of our world, I think. But then the people said, we want a king. We want to be like everybody else. That always works out. And so, and you know, God says, I really want to be your king. Would you just let me be your king? No, we want a king. So God chooses, God has a king. And the first king is Saul. Here's how you remember the kings. They're by the syllables of their name. Okay, first king is Saul. The second king is David. The third king is Solomon. Okay, so Saul lasts 40, they all last about 40 years. Pretty long time. Saul is picked, Saul is picked as king because he's the tallest guy in the kingdom. That's a brilliant way of selecting leaders. It's probably as good as what we got now, but anyway, it's what it is. Um, and then David, and, but Saul blew it. Saul abdicated. He was not faithful. He usurped God's authority in his life. He was impatient. God said, I'm taking it away from you and your family. And his son, Jonathan, was David's best friend. And Jonathan acquiesces in this, in this way, and, but Saul does not. So Saul pursues David. David was a hero of the people because he had killed Goliath. And he became a warrior in Saul's army. He was very, very successful. He was good looking and wrote all those songs. And he was just very popular. The people in the streets would say, you know, yeah, Saul's killed thousands of people, but... David's killed ten thousands. And that doesn't go over well with the king. And so Saul began pursuing David and hunting him. And David was a fugitive in his own land. And so as David had been anointed as, as king as a little boy, young boy, maybe 12, he was just a little shepherd boy. Um, then ultimately Saul dies in battle. David is elected king. So there's this heroic figure. But why do I share this story of David with you? Is because I'm hoping that we all will become so faithful that we can kill all the giants in our lives? That's another sermon. You could probably talk about that. Or is it because we want to dance with abandon in front of the Ark of the Covenant because we're so happy? Thanks, Sherry. You would do that? Yeah. Because we're so happy that God's Ark is back where it should be? Are we uh, delighted that we've defeated our enemies, the lifelong enemies who dishonored God? We're going to talk about being a man after God's own heart. And there's three things I want to share with you from the life of David that I hope relate to you. I, I can relate to them. So if there's three points in here, here's, here's why I want to talk about him being the hero of Israel. And there's three things. You could say many, many things about David. The first one is the call of the unexpected. And I want you to hear this for yourself. God so often calls in unexpected ways. You know, I laugh about this. I've told people, 
You know, Teresa and I are thinking of retiring at about 65. I just turned 62. So we're talking about that retirement. And every, whenever I say that to people, I say, now please understand, I have made that announcement and I think God is privately chuckling. You know, you tell God your plans and he just laughs. Um, I, I don't know what God's plan is. I can plan and God does. God doesn't want us to be stupid and wants us to plan. And Jesus even talks about that. But I don't know what God has in store. So you got to be ready for the unexpected. What's the unexpected? And that's how God works here in David, right? When God goes to select a king, Samuel buys into the, the common conventional wisdom. Well, go to Jesse. He's there in Judah. That's a big tribe. But it's this little tiny podunk town, Bethlehem. Go over there and look at Jesse's son, and I'll tell you who I'm going to pick to be king, the next king. So Samuel goes there, and the first son, big mature, he's Jesse. And Samuel goes, oh, that's the one. But God does not choose like men choose, right? Boy, what a word for us. That's, if I had a word for you, there's a word today. God doesn't choose like you choose. So you have to be ready for God to choose in a way you don't choose. Is that fair? To be ready for God to choose in a way you might not have chosen. And so it's the call of the unexpected. And so because they go through the line. Oh, this is the one. How about this one? Finally, Samuel gives up. No, he's not the one. No, he's not the one. one. Just waiting for God to speak in his ear. That's the one. And finally, he says, are you out of sons? Yeah, there's another one. He's this little scrawny guy. He's out in the fields, right? He's watching the sheep. That's the worst job you could get. We'll call him in here. And he calls him in, and God says, that's the one. That's the one. And he anoints him. And it's the call of the unexpected to be ready when God calls to know that God may choose to do things in a way you simply don't expect. As you well know, I love those, those very classic Christian author stories, Tolkien and Lewis, don't they key in on this? That's how they, I mean, the, the, the a heartbeat of their stories is that hobbits, right, in the Tolkien stories, who'd have thought, who'd have thought that the humblest, the ones not looking for glory, the ones not looking for fame or adventure were the very ones God would choose in order to accomplish his purposes. Or C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, who are the hero, heroes? Children, kids who think that animals talk, you know, they go into, you know, so who would have thought, and who would have thought that a peasant girl from a backwater town could have the Son of God? Who would have thought that someone with no beauty to attract us to him, someone who no one expected would be the very incarnation of God to come and walk amongst us just like us, Be ready for the unexpected. That's a lesson from David. When God calls, he may call in ways you never expect. Second thing on this is the call of another. You know, for pastors like Chris and me, and I, I can't, I think I can speak a little bit too for like Ryan and Christina and Teresa, DCEs and our teachers, like Hannah and, and Ann and, and others, where we're called, the church calls, you know, you put together a process, and it's most evident with pastors. You work so hard on it, you try to, you get a list of people, and you pray about it, and you interview, and you call. That's one of the most powerful experiences in a pastor's life. You receive a call 
from a congregation and they say, through the work of the Holy Spirit and prayer, we believe God is asking you to come and serve us. And, um, you know, when that, when that happens, I remember when I was called here, I had known your previous pastor, Pastor Baird, uh, because I went to school with his daughter, Margaret. Margaret and I were classmates, same grade, so we knew each other for years and years. We've known each other a long, long time. And we're friends. And so I got to know Manfred. And Manfred had a wonderful reputation in our region. He had revitalized this church that was quite small and really saw tremendous growth. But what he was most known for was how tender a soul he was, how caring and compassionate and tender he was. And I remember when I was in the call committee, I said, you guys, I know Manfred. I said, I'm, I'm not Manfred. I'm not nearly as good as that. And I meant it. I, I still do. Um, but I said, I, I'm, I want to pray that God would help me care, you know, in the way that I, that I need to. But I, that, let me tell you why I share this story. I think it's so critical. When I counsel pastors and churches, you have to honor the call of the one that comes before you. You don't ever dishonor the person that comes before you. You know, they were a loser and I'm going to fix you guys. You know, they really stunk and I got it together. Every person has been called by God because God had a purpose for that. Sometimes it goes great. Sometimes it doesn't go so great. Do you still think God was calling? God still calls. It's often we who struggle to see how and why and how those things work, how God goes together. So this is a second great feature of David that I want to commend to you too, is that we may have a great sense of call on our own life, it's critical that we honor the call of others, that others also have been called by God, to not diminish that or to strangely elevate it, adulation, but to just honor it, to recognize it. David does this, and he does it in two ways. Do you know this part of David's story? Saul is pursuing him, and Saul wants to murder him. I mean, he wants to kill David so his son, Dave, his son Jonathan can be the next king. And twice... David is able to sneak into the camp while Saul's army is pursuing him and sneak up and there's Saul lying in front of him and he cuts off a part of his robe one time and then the next time he does the same thing and he like breaks a jar, I think it is, that's next to him. And then when he goes out there, he says, Saul, you know, I had you in my sights and I could have killed you. Stop pursuing me. I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. And Saul says, no, you didn't. And he says, yeah, look at your coat. Look at your cloak. And here's a piece of it. And they go, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, he says, and there's a broken water jar next to you. And so he says, he realizes that not once but twice, he said, now, why would he do that? Because the second time, his general says to him, gut this guy. This guy is trying to kill us all. Kill him. And you'll be the king. And you know David's response? How could I lift a hand against the Lord's anointed? So I tell you, people who serve, be very careful to lift a hand against the Lord's anointed. Those others who have also been called by God's Spirit, each of us, called where you are, in your home, in your community, in your family, in your place, where God has laid that call on you, we honor the call of another. Here's how David did it a sec another time. David longed to rebuild the temple. You know, do you know this? He wanted to build the temple. He had finally gotten peace. He would kick out the, the great enemy, the Philistines. He had won. Jerusalem's the capital. We're going to build a temple. And God said, no, you're not. 
You're a man of war. You're not going to do it. I'm going to give it to your son. Now you think about this for a minute. Think about our current age, how that would have gone. And I'm going to make this reference again. And David could have said, I'm building it. Right? Get the cruise. Cut the stone. Get the thing. Like it would have ever been blessed, right? But David honored that God was calling his son to do it. And he honored that. And he respected that. And God honored him in so doing. So the second thing about David for us to remember, the first thing is, remember the call might come in unexpected ways to do unexpected things. The second thing is we honor the call of others around us. David did that well. But the third one and the most important one is we get this phrase that says David was a man after God's own heart. How do we, how do we really see that? Because this, this is the core of it. This is the core of it. And so if we see David as a man after God's own heart, the evidence that we see of that comes in David's greatest failure. Because for many of us, you know, if, you know this, if you're a student of scriptures and you look closely, if you are a student of scriptures and this inspires you to read, up, read the story of David, I'm going to give you some spoiler alerts. Because he's like an anti-hero. Because this is a guy who once he conquers, I mean, he sows this tremendous faith, right? As a kid, takes a slingshot, kills Goliath, said, of course we can beat him. God's on our side. What are you thinking? He has great faith, great courage. He withstands the hatred of Saul and, and prays for Saul and honors Saul and has this great friendship with his son. He writes psalms and things of faith and beauty and glory. When he finally wins and establishes his temple and he's got peace, that's when he gets in trouble because he's unfaithful to his wife, fathers a child, and then in his shame kills her husband. A man so noble, far more noble than his king, who was willing to sacrifice and willing to sacrifice, and God and, and, and David instead had him killed. That's pretty bad on the list of bads. Cheating and killing. How can David be a man after God's own heart? How can I hold him up to you as someone to emulate? How can I do that? And you get it in his psalm that he writes because you know how this happens. And this is interesting too because David doesn't operate like people in power today would operate. There's a, if you read it, it's a great story. I won't, I, I won't do it for you, but God sends a prophet to the king to confront him. And essentially he says, we got an injustice in this country. Somebody who was really rich went next door and stole the one prized lamb and killed it to serve it to his friends for dinner. And David is so angry. He is so angry. And he says, you find that guy. You find that guy. We're going to make him pay. And that's why this, what I'm going to say next is, it does not happen in our culture today. And I know personally, I need people like this in my life. A prophet who would walk up to me and he'd say, you're that guy. Thou art the man, King James. You're that guy. You did that. And here's what's amazing. This is why we hold David up. It isn't in all the other things. It's in this moment. Because in this moment, remember, he's the king. 
And Nathan's not a big hoop-de-doo. He maybe is a prophet. He doesn't even have his own book in the Bible. Right? What could have David done? Off with his head. And does no such thing. This is why he's a man after God's own heart. He knew that God was speaking to him and saying, you're that guy. We need that. We can't do that in our world right now, can we? If you have someone like that in your life, you get down on your knees and you praise God. That somebody loves you enough to say, God, I love you, but you're out of bounds. And it's dragging you way far away from God. Please, please come back. And it's in this world, are you, do you get what I'm saying? How hard is that? And we, none of us like to hear it, do we? None of us. Nobody likes to hear that. And so we have to have people in our life who love us so much, who care so much, who have such level of trust that they can come and say, you're that guy. And, I, and Nathan's not, he doesn't have it in for David. You think he wants David's demise? He, want da he wants David to be the king that God has called him to be, to model for his people. And David does. Immediately, sackcloth, ashes, repentance, broken spirit, contrite, humble, immediate. Here's the words. Let's look at them on there. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Create. I love that. Not fix the old one. I need a new one. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then here's what's great. Then I will teach transgressors your way. Boy, Christians need to learn this. When we read that, I'll teach transgressors your ways, what so often seems to appear in our culture is that righteous Christians want to go point fingers and tell other people how, how screwed up they are. Without trust, without love, without care, without compassion. Look at what he says. I'll teach transgressors your way because I'm a transgressor. And you made a new spirit in me. That old one was doing me no good. That old heart was busted. I needed a new one, and you gave it to me. And I can tell other sinners, you can have the same heart I got from the same loving God. And then he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. You know, this is what I love about this. This is why I, I commend David to you, is to have our heart, right? A broken heart. You know what's great about a broken heart before God? Because people can see where it was mended. People can see that it was mended. And people can see how it was mended. How about a soft heart? You know what's great about a soft heart with God? It allows God's hands and fingers to shape it and to mold it. And a tender heart? A tender heart's one that beats right along with God's. And you know, we were so blessed, those of us that live in this New Testament age, because God kept that promise. He fulfilled David as a man after God's own heart in a far, far greater way. Not just in bringing us a man after God's own heart. But a man with the very heart of God. And for that we give thanks in our Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, now and forever. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.